The market doesn't joke around, so why would you? Get serious. Choose Tasty Trade. Tasty Trade gives you the tools you need to make smarter moves. Dig into data with advanced charting, track profit accurately with order chain trackers, see risk clearly with curve analysis, and trade with low-capped commissions, stocks, options, futures, and more. All on one platform. No wonder serious traders choose Tasty Trade. Join the club, genius. Tasty Trading is a registered broker-dealer and member of FINRA and SIPC. I'm Brian Sullivan, and you're listening to CNBC's Worldwide Exchange. Our show airs live weekdays at 5 a.m. Eastern. Listen in. It is 5 a.m. at CNBC Global Headquarters, and here is your top five at five. One year later, and the U.S. now surpassing a key milestone in overcoming this terrible pandemic. Exclusive data ahead. One day after being left out of the rally, the Dow roaring back in a very big way, futures, they are higher once again. Nearly $2 trillion and straight along party lines. The House passing the spending and stimulus bill. Checks are on the way. Much of that may go right into the stock market. Of that $1.9 trillion, billions earmarked for one struggling sector of the American economy, key to getting Americans back in the office and people back to their sanity. We're going to speak with one early education insider. And from totally shut down to sold out, how the path forward for the American economic recovery may just go through the magic kingdom. It is Thursday, March 11th, and this is Worldwide Exchange. Well, good morning, good afternoon, or good evening, and welcome from wherever in the world that you may be watching. I am Brian Sullivan. Thank you very much for joining us here on Worldwide Exchange. And let's kick your Thursday morning off with what else? Stock futures. We do it every day. We want to show you how your money in the markets look as you wake up or maybe get your day going if you're in Europe or parts of Asia. You're wrapping the day up. Green across the screen and look at NASDAQ futures. I mean, what a weird few days. A couple of days ago, tech stocks down 200 on the futures Yesterday, up 200, and again, we are seeing that reversal to the upside. NASDAQ futures up 230, Dow futures up about 108 right now. Well, after being left out of the rally on Tuesday, speaking of, the Dow roaring back in a big way yesterday, surging to a record high, closing above 32,000 for the first time ever. Likely has to do with a combination of things, but the Treasury bond market settling down could be a big one. No big moves the last few days in yields. You also have stimulus checks about to hit the economy and the stock market and a technical continuation of recent trends. We'll get more on that with Craig Johnson in just a moment. Well, around the world, a mostly higher session in Asia overnight. The Shanghai comp popping more than 2%. Talk of the government stepping in and doing some buying there. The trading day just getting started over in Europe ahead of a very important ECB decision. That's at 7.45 a.m. Eastern, our time. Juliana Tatelbaum is in our London newsroom, and we have a Lagarde. It's not Powell watch. It's Lagarde watch there, Juliana. (laughs) That's right, Brian. Great to join you this morning. So European investors bracing for the central bank meeting, which is going to take place in just a few hours. And just like in the U.S., investors are going to be watching for how the central bank communicates about the recent rise in bond yields, how hard they press against, lean against that rise in yields. As for markets. We are generally trading higher this morning, though we have come off the absolute highs of the session. The Italian market is leading the way higher, up about eight-tenths of a percent. Well, we've got a little bit of red on the board.
forward for the German and Swiss markets. Worth noting that yesterday marked the third straight positive session for European equities. So the overall trend has been higher for U.S. for European stocks. Turning to bond markets, here's a look for you at how yields are trading. Generally, we are moving lower ahead of this all-important ECB meeting. In addition to offering a policy decision, the ECB is also going to issue their new economic growth forecasts and inflation forecasts. So a lot to look out for later today. Brian? All right, Juliana in London. Julia, ECB Watch, 7.45 a.m. Thank you. All right, now let's get to a few other big stories that are happening right now on this Thursday morning. Bertha Coombs is here, and she has those. Good morning, Bertha. Good morning, Brian. Moderna says it is starting human testing on a modified version of its vaccine designed to target the COVID-19 variant coming out of South Africa. The company says 60 volunteers have received the booster shot so far after receiving a full dose of the original vaccine last year. SoftBank-backed company Coupang reportedly raising $3.5 billion in an initial public offering well above its expected price range. The South Korean e-commerce group pricing shares at $35 each, according to reports, giving it a valuation of about $60 billion, making it one of the biggest listings by an Asian company on a U.S. exchange. Coupang begins trading on the New York Stock Exchange today under the ticker CPNG. The company's CEO will join Squawk Box this morning at 8.20 Eastern Time. And consulting from McKinsey, releasing a first-of-its-kind study on race in Hollywood, identifying the entrenched racial inequities in the entertainment industry and the opportunity that could be unlocked if it addresses them. Among the findings, McKinsey says black-led projects are consistently underfunded and undervalued, despite clear evidence of outperforming other properties when it comes to return on investment. Adding if Hollywood chooses to address racial inequities, it could boost the industry's annual revenue by 7% or $10 billion. Brian? Those are some big numbers there. And, you know, hey, and if if the economics are there as well and it's the right thing to do, that's a double win. Bertha Coombs. Well, and you get a variety of different stories and, you know, backing more women, backing more people of color in general. Look at the Korean films that have done so well. Oh, yeah. what was the one? Oh, my God. I've got we call it Wex Brain. You know, Bertha, when we're getting up at this hour, you forget basic things like where the keys are and you walk into walls. The movie that won the Oscar a couple <laughs> years ago. Aye, living in the basement. I can't. Now I can't remember it either. It'll come to me. It'll come to me. Star Wars. I got it. Bertha, thank you. <laughs> See you in a bit. All right, back home, we call it Wex Brain. You know what it means, all the producers. All right, back home, history in the making. The House passing its third coronavirus relief-related package. This one, the largest yet, at $1.9 trillion. It's got sweeping provisions for things like struggling pensions, child tax credits, and hundreds of billions in aid to struggling cities and states. The $1,400 checks that get all the headlines, they should go out before the end of this month. Tracy Potts. Joining us now with more from Washington. Tracy, good morning. In fact, good morning, Brian. If you do direct deposit, the government saying some people will see that money land in their accounts next week. It is a massive package. Too much, Republicans argued, but this was also the most partisan relief so far. Not one Republican voting for it. We could hear more about that tonight and the rest of the president's plan to deal with this pandemic when he addresses the nation. 
to reach those who have been hit the hardest. President Biden will address the nation tonight, marking one year since the coronavirus pandemic shut down America. I'm going in prime time address the American people and talk about what we've been through as a nation this past year. But more importantly, I'm going to talk about what comes next. Next, getting 300 million people vaccinated. 90% of people are still unprotected and not yet vaccinated. The federal government is ordering 100 million more doses of the one-shot Johnson & Johnson vaccine, promising enough for every adult by the end of May. The motion is adopted. The American Rescue Plan, just approved by Congress, includes $7.5 billion for vaccine distribution. This isn't a rescue bill. It isn't a relief bill. It's a laundry list of left-wing priorities. The plan includes aid for governments, schools, businesses, and families. You will receive $1,400 checks by the end of March. Help is on the way. Direct deposits could start next week. Not one Republican voted for it, concerned about the $1.9 trillion price tag. Beware, there's no such thing as free money. What is wrong with you? We are going to act with the fierce urgency of now. Now, new cases, hospitalizations, and death rates are dropping as President Biden prepares to sign the bill tomorrow. And then he hits the road to sell it to the public starting in Pennsylvania Tuesday. Brian? All right, Tracy Potts, on that historic milestone bill. Tracy, thank you. Have a great day. Well, on the heels of that milestone, how about another milestone? This one, a little smaller, involving the Dow, closing above 32,000 for the first time yesterday. It took the Dow 42 trading days to climb from 31 to 32,000. That was the quickest 1,000-point move since... The last one, when it took 28 days to hit 31,000 from 30. Tech also turning around. So where can we make some money these days? Where are the trends? Craig Johnson is chief market technician at Piper Sandler. has probably been more right about these market swings over the last few years, timing it all, than anybody else out there. So, Craig, we appreciate you having, having you on this morning. Parasite, by the, na- by the way, is the name of that movie. Craig, um, what do you, from a, <laughs> we've got some individual stocks from a macro market perspective, you got a 42.25 target on the S&P, so about 10 more percent upside. You still see this market having legs higher overall. Yeah, Brian, thanks for having me on. And, you know, it's great to get up early and uh, kind of get the day going. So as you look at this market, though, let's break this down. So this is a market where it's kind of the tale of two tapes. You mentioned earlier with the Dow making new highs, you also have transports making new highs. So you put that into a technical context and you've got Dow theory starting playing out and suggesting, again, you've got more upside from here. But the tale of two tapes is the most interesting part because below the surface, there's a lot of movement going on. First, you've got the reflation trade happening. So what you're seeing happening here is more stimulus coming into the market, the $1.9 trillion getting spent. That is leading to a backup in 10-year bond yields. And again, that's a trend that I don't think is going to stop. And I'll touch on that more in a second. But that's a big positive for the financial sector. You also then have on the second side of the two-tail tape here, you've got the reopening trade happening, and you're seeing the consumer cyclical sector working, and you're also seeing the energy sector picking up in terms of uh, overall performance. So you got this tale of two tapes, Brian, playing out, leading to this 
turbulence underneath the surface, pushing up the overall averages. Yeah, and you're right. We do think that we can get to 42.25 by year end, but I'm not sure you're going to get there in a linear manner. Because as rates start to push up, you are going to see some of these higher multiple areas of the market or long duration parts of the equity market probably start to see a compression in terms of the multiple. Take, for instance, the NDX, the NASDAQ 100. You've already had a correction there. You also look at the biotech index with the uh, XBI, and that's been off 26% from the highs. So, again, expect more rotation in this market, Brian. All right, let's get individual names here, Craig, because that's what we like to do, get the pencils or pens or computers ready, whatever it might be. And you talked about energy, oil and gas. That has been the surprise performer of the year. PXD, Pioneer Natural, the CEO, Scott Sheffield, a frequent guest on CNBC, probably the smartest guy in oil out there. You like that stock. Absolutely, Brian. If you come back and you look at not only Pioneer, but the entire sector, most portfolio managers are underexposed to the energy sector, and that's going to have to change as oil prices continue to move higher. I look at a long-term setup in terms of oil, Brian, and you could be well north of 100, you know, looking out uh, 6, 9, 12 months from now, if you look at a point-and-figure chart on some of these things. Pioneer Energy specifically is a big long-term downtrend reversal where you've made this classic higher low on the charts. This is a stock that I think people are going to have to step up and buy the high-quality names in energy. Brian, I'd also, also mention the if you look at the financial exchange. We talk a lot about the, the exchange. We don't talk a lot about the stock. What makes CME right. look good to you, Craig? So it looks like a huge base in the making and a big longer-term downtrend reversal for the CME. This is, again, one of these classic plays here that if we are going to see a pickup inflation, commodity prices moving higher, I think the CME is going to uh, benefit very nicely from those trends. So what I've been trying to do is look at some of these areas, sort of avoid the REITs, Look at things like Visa, MasterCard. Also look at the banks and look at things like CME that should benefit from some of these rotational changes in the market. Finally, a name that that is new to me. It sounds like something you might put in your dryer, but it's not. Apparently, it's a global engineering and manufacturing company, Fabrinet. So here is another example. We've gone through, we've lived through this pandemic for a year. It's very clear that a lot of people are going to continue to keep working from home. And one of the shortfalls for people has really been bandwidth, kind of that last mile bandwidth. Fabernet has got equipment and products in place to really help alleviate some of these bandwidth, bandwidth issues as they put the fiber optics in place and start to light more fiber and perhaps even bring fiber to the home for a lot of people. So stocks like Fabernet to me look like you've made this nice base on base, you're breaking out, starting to make a another leg higher in here. And then, Brian, lastly, I would just mention to you, as you create this kind of balanced portfolio, some offense in here, and then also think about some of the defensive names, Mm -hmm. look at stocks like Altria, ticker MO. Great long-term multi-year downtrend reversal with a great dividend yield. For those individuals watching this morning that are looking for some income and yield, that would be one name to take a look at. Altria, CME, Pioneer Natural, and Fabernet. Craig Johnson, also bullish on the macro market. Great stuff, Craig, but we would expect nothing less from you, Craig. Thank you very much. Have a great day, buddy. Thank you, Brian. All right, you're welcome. When we come back here on Worldwide Exchange, America passing a major milestone when it comes to defeating and getting rid of COVID-19. Exclusive data you will only see here. 
Plus, the dating app that is doing quite well, thank you, despite the pandemic. Just one of your big money movers on this Thursday morning. And after a fiery end just one week ago, SpaceX heading back to the stars. We'll show it to you. Very busy hour still ahead. Yeah, it's up 100. We're back right after this. What does it mean to be rich? Is it having more stories to share or time to give? Is it being able to keep your loved ones close or travel somewhere far away? At Edward Jones, we believe the key to being rich is knowing what counts. Your dedicated financial advisor will take a comprehensive approach to your financial strategy to help support what truly matters to you. EdwardJones.com slash findyourrich. Edward Jones, member SIPC. People today can spend half their lives over 50. So it's good to be financially ready for what's important to you as you get older, like a family vacation. Or starting your dream business. Welcome to Connie's Coffee. How may I help you? AARP's trusted financial tools can help you plan for whatever your future holds. That's why the younger you are, the more you need AARP. Start planning today at aarp.org slash money tools. All right, welcome back and good morning. Why don't we talk some individual stock movers on this Thursday? We're going to give you three names. All right, ready? Stock number one, Oracle. Shares are down this morning. Despite better-than-expected profit and revenue, that is because CEO Safra Katz told analysts that current quarter earnings likely to fall short of estimates of stock down nearly 5%. Stock 2, Bumble, the owner of the popular dating app, posting its first quarterly results as a public company, and they top results. That stock is up nearly 8 per 9% now. Bumble CEO, by the way, will join Squawk Box at 8.30 a.m. Eastern. And your third name, Movie theater chain AMC Entertainment, that stock getting a pop this morning. Company reporting a big loss in the latest quarter of last year. It's no surprise with almost every movie chain shut down. But investors appear to be cheering an upbeat outlook from the chain as more states allow theaters to reopen. AMC shares have more than doubled in the past three months. In part also, not just the reopen trade, but the Reddit and retail investor trade as well. All right, let's step outside of the stock market and get a check on this morning's other top news, including one of the biggest celebrities in the world thinking about running for governor of Texas. NBC's Francis Rivera in New York with that and more. Francis. That's a fun one. We'll get to it in a second, Brian. But we start with the Senate this morning that has approved three more of President Biden's cabinet picks. Ohio Representative Marsha Fudge was confirmed to head the Department of Housing and Urban Development. North Carolina regulator Michael Reagan will be the first black man to lead the Environmental Protection Agency. And Judge Merrick Garland was confirmed as U.S. Attorney General. So would Texans be all right, all right, all right with Matthew McConaughey as their governor? The actor may be into the idea of entering the Lone Star State's gubernatorial race. McConaughey reportedly appeared on the Balance Voice podcast and said he has given running a real consideration. Of course, he has no political experience yet, but he'd have time to adapt to the role of politician. Texas votes for their next governor in November of 2022. SpaceX launched its Falcon 9 rocket early this morning, deploying another 60 Starlink satellites. Over 1,200 are now in orbit, beaming broadband internet back to Earth. SpaceX also successfully landed the booster. And those are your headlines for this Thursday. Brian, back to you. 
I see what you did there with that McConaughey thing. It's like, I didn't know if it was Fugazi or Fugazi or whatever it might be. I admit, I listened to the audiobook, Green Lights, his book. I was just like five pandemic books and Matthew McConaughey because his voice is so soothing. That's what everybody says. We were just talking about that earlier today, that it's not even worth reading it. You got to listen because he McConaughey's it, right? It's like literally just read me a bedtime story, Mr. <laughs> McConaughey. It's fantastic. All right. Francis Rivera, thank you very much. Sure. I can admit that. All right, ahead. Move aside Zynga. Zynga. There's a new player in town getting all the investor attention. We'll tell you about it. Plus, if you haven't already, subscribe to our pod. Maybe we can have Matthew McConaughey do the show one day and do the podcast in that Texas lilt. If you miss us anyway, every day, you can tune in. It's all available on all the regular podcasting platforms, Apple, Spotify, and others. And March is Women's History Month, and we are spotlighting some of our CNBC contributors and friends. And here is Pivotal Advisor CEO Tiffany McGee on Breaking Barriers. I heard from a father that said every day at lunchtime, he watches Halftime Report with his six-year-old little girl. And one time when I was on, she points to the screen and she says, Daddy, she looks like me. And so when I was her age, I didn't have women investors to look up to. So it warms my heart that little girls now can watch our show and see women like me and Courtney and Shannon and Liz. I think it's important for us to think about little girls and understand that they need to know what's possible. At the UPS store, we know things can get busy this upcoming holiday. You can count on us to be open and ready to help with any packing and shipping or anything else you might need. Is there anything you can't do? Um, actually, I don't have a good singing voice. <clears throat> the UPS... Nope. But our certified packing experts can pack and ship just about anything. At least that's good. The UPS Store. Be unstoppable. Most locations are independently owned. Product, services, pricing, and hours of operation may vary. See center for details. Come in today to get your holiday goodies there on time. It's record watch yet again. The Dow plowing past 32K. Ten Dow stocks up now more than 10% just this year. And futures are higher again. Put it in the books, the House passing President Biden's $1.9 trillion spending bill. The checks, they're on the way, and many may go right into the stock market. Hundreds of pensions also getting a bailout. And tech trying to make a comeback. And for all of you believers, your upcoming guest out there says that Fang should still have some bite. This is Worldwide Exchange right here on CNBC. Well, welcome or welcome back, everybody, and good Thursday morning. I am Brian Sullivan. Thank you very much for joining us, starting your day or ending it, depending on where you might be. And here's how your money and investments look right now as we are halfway through the 5 a.m. hour. Stock futures, they are solidly in the green. We are seeing Dow futures up just under 100, but it's tech. That's the story. Now, the Dow coming off a record all-time high, again, a 400-point surge and topping 32,000 for the first time ever and taking just 42 trading days to go from 31 to 32,000. As I noted, 10 down names up 10% or more this year, four up 25% or more this year, led by Chevron's 31% gain. 2021 has been the year of oil and gas stocks so far. Back to tech, the NASDAQ and NASDAQ 100 
largely left out of yesterday's bounce after that huge rally on Tuesday, ending the day flat to down, but a possible turnaround in the works. But look at the point swings. Look at that. Down 360, down 274, up 200, down 310, up 464, and down 5. That's a little anticlimactic there. On Mar- What were you doing March 10th? Where was the volatility? We'll see what happens today, but NASDAQ futures are up more than 200 points right now. That is a huge amount of volatility and swings we have not seen in a long, long time. By the way, if ever, on a point basis. All right, let's get a check on some of the other big corporate stories on this Thursday morning, shall we? Including Tesla upping the sticker prices on its lineup. Bertha Coombs is back with that. What am I paying for a new Tesla, Bertha? Well, you're paying up for any car right now, right? Demand is so strong. But let's start, though, with Boeing. Sources telling CNBC it's close to a deal to sell dozens of its 737 MAX 7 jets to Southwest Airlines. The proposed deal, which one of the sources said could potentially top 100 firm orders plus significant options, follows intense competition between the smallest member of Boeing's MAX family and the A220 from Airbus. No comments from Boeing. Shares of Roblox soaring in their public market debut yesterday on the New York Stock Exchange. The stock closing at 69.50, giving the company a market value of $38.3 billion. The online gaming app went public through a direct listing following the likes of Spotify, Slack, and Palantir. Shares began trading at 64.50, which represented a 43% increase from a private financing round in January. And Tesla is increasing the price of its Model Y Long Range and Model S Plaid Plus by 10000 bucks. The price of its Model 3 Standard Range Plus has also been increased to $37,490 from $36,990. The company, however, keeping the price of its performance model Y at the same range. You know, Brian, it's a whole new business model. Now, I remember the first time I went in to buy my first car and it was used. I went in with my dad. I went in girding for a negotiation and I think I got a good price. But, you know, who knows? You know, the price of lithium which is used to make all the batteries that these cars rely on, has been soaring. I've got to believe that these rare earth, they're boring things we never talked about 10 years ago, have got to be driving the the price gains. And and we'll see if that price continues. Those are oddly specific numbers too, Bertha. 37,962. Yeah, I I don't know what it is, but they're very modern cars. Parasite. Parasite was the name of the movie. (laughs) Finally. Bertha, thank you very much. (laughs) If you missed it. Goes to an earlier old brain moment earlier in the show. All right. Now to Washington. President Biden set to deliver a primetime address to the nation today. It is just one day after the House passed his landmark $1.9 trillion spending bill, one he is expected to sign into law tomorrow. But with stimulus checks practically in the mail already, what will be next for the White House? Kayla Tausche joining us now with that. Kayla, good morning. Good morning, Brian. We are, as of today, halfway through President Biden's first 100 days, a period of time in which he wanted to hit three specific marks. First, 
challenging America to mask up for that time period. Second, getting 100 million vaccine doses into the arms of Americans. And third, getting the majority of K through eight learning centers back into in-person learning. So let's start with masks. Now, President Biden on day one signed into uh, an executive order, a federal mask mandate for federal property and interstate travel. But four states have recently dropped their statewide mandate. Three more will end theirs in the coming weeks. That shifts the onus to businesses and individuals as vaccinations ramp up. And then there are the vaccines themselves from January 20th through March 10th, the U.S. has administered 83.4 million vaccine doses. And at the current rate of 2.2 million shots per day, President Biden is set to meet his goal in just about a week. And finally, on reopening schools. His Department of Education won't have data on the percentage of districts that have reopened until next week. But the Census Bureau's Household Pulse Survey provides some clues about how kids are learning right now. As of March 1st, roughly 39 million people, or 40 percent of respondents with kids, reported that their children had live contact with a teacher for at least two days a week. But that's actually down from 43 percent from the first two weeks of Biden's presidency. Now, the education secretary is going to convene a summit later this month on exactly that issue. But it's a key pillar for the administration to get women back into the workforce and kids back into schools. Brian. Yeah, I mean, it, it, we also, kill. I know you're from, from Georgia. We forget that down south and in the Midwest, there are lots of kids who have never missed a day of school. We talk about reopening schools. I know kids in the south and in the Midwest who've never missed. They've gone five days a week in person since last September. It's really kind of a sad state. Anyway, talk to us about approval ratings. How are Americans viewing President Biden's first 50 days? I got to imagine the marks are pretty high. They're pretty high, but they're high in line with other presidents who have enjoyed a honeymoon period at the beginning of their terms. The real clear politics average for President Biden is currently 53.7. So above above, you know, the majority of Americans approve of him. Uh, and the recent polling shows 59, 60 percent approval from the Associated Press and Politico and Morning Consult. So certainly that is that is high. That is the majority of Americans approving of the job he is doing. And as we have seen from approval ratings, uh, in the last year after these massive stimulus bills get enacted, Brian, uh, that is only set to go up as Americans get money in their pockets. Although the White House has said that President Biden will not be signing those checks, unlike President Trump, who had his name figuring prominently on those checks uh, because they say President Biden doesn't feel that is necessary and he doesn't want to do anything to hold them up. Brian. Yeah, they should be going out very soon, and we'll see where that money ends up. Kayla Tausche, great stuff. Kayla, good to see you. Thank you very much. Have a great day. Sure. All right, so investors may be largely cheering the passing of that latest stimulus package. Now, much of that money, as much as 30 to 40 percent of those $1,400 checks, could go right back into the stock market. That's based on surveys done by Deutsche Bank. And if so, will it go into the stocks and names we all know so well, the big cap tech stocks, that have probably made you all out there a bunch of money the last few years. Joining us now is Sonova's Trust Senior VP and Portfolio Manager, Dan Morgan. Dan, good to see you again. Hi, Brian. Do you have What's any happening? idea if, if, if that money, and we know some of that, a big chunk, maybe not 30%, but a lot of it will go into the stock market. Do you and your team believe it will go to the FANG names and other tech stocks that, that worked so well the last time? 
Well, it's amazing, Brian, because if you look at the cutoff points in terms of income with those checks going out, I thought they were kind of high. A lot of those people making, uh, what, 75000 150000 joint uh, would probably take that money and put it away and buy some stocks. And, you know, I think what we've seen, Brian, is money. Uh, you talked about the volatility in the NASDAQ. Um, rolling out of the big growth tech names and going into more deep cyclical names, uh, turnaround situations, uh, areas that have been really hurt by the pandemic. And the question will be, Brian, will those companies be able to deliver the same type of earnings growth that we've seen, let's say, out of the FANG stocks in the last couple of years? Uh, and that's going to be the big question. And will the money then rotate back into those names uh, when that recovery does not come to fruition? So uh, we'll just have to see what happens. You know, we're showing our viewers right now, Dan, you probably can't see it. These wild NASDAQ point swings down 200 in one day, up 400, down 300. I mean, I understand percentages change when the numbers get bigger. I get it. These are big swings. Yesterday was the exception. What the heck is going on with technology stocks? You got to remember, Brian, if we were sitting in this seat together a year ago, we would be looking at the Sox, uh, which has gone up about 135 percent from that point. You look at the S&P information benchmark uh, technology sector, that's up about 90 percent. So these groups have made huge runs. So I I think it's reasonable to think, Brian, that you're going to see some volatility when you get that kind of increase in such a short time, only 12 months. And I think that's what you're seeing happening right now is just a little bit of money coming off, like I said before, rolling into the cyclicals. But, you know, the fundamentals are so strong. I mean, I've been in this business for over 30 years. I've gone through... You know, I went through the the dot-com bubble. I went through the housing bubble. And it doesn't feel anything like that right now in terms of IT spending and so forth and earnings and multiples in the tech sector. So I would expect things to continue to go really well. I don't see the thing evaporating like it did in the summer of 2000. All right. Good stuff there, Dan. We'll see where those stimulus checks, when they do end up in the market, where they go. Dan Morgan of Synovus, a pleasure to have you on, Dan, again. Thank you, Brian. We'll see you in person someday. Take care. All right. Coming up, why the House of Mouse may be giving us a big crystal ball into the travel boom to come. We'll call it the Magic Kingdom indicator. But first, as we head to break, some of your other headlines. Taco Bell testing new crispy chicken sandwich tacos that are served on flatbread. I am happy to taste test. I love this story. Jeep unveiling its long-awaited luxury Grand Wagoneer SUV. This after taking the cult classic off the market 30 years ago. But while you may love it, and maybe you want it, you're going to have to pay up. Are you sitting down? A fully loaded three-row Jeep Grand Wagoneer will cost you $110,000. Hard to say. And it's hard to top that story, so we won't. But BuzzFeed is reportedly in talks to go public via SPAC. We're back after this. Time now for your morning RBI, and today let's talk travel. And while we've been saying that travel should boom in the summer, we, or me, might be wrong. It is happening now. The Tampa Bay Times reports that Disney World is largely sold out for spring break through mid-April. That's right, sold out. Now, okay, big caveat, because the park is still limited capacity, about 35%. So slots, which have to be made via reservation, are pretty much all gone, according to the paper, for some of the upcoming spring break weeks. The paper says that all park passes next week are gone, and the first time all park passes are available is April 11th. 
Now, this goes to our RBI yesterday, where we showed restaurant reservations, let's call it in Oklahoma, which, by the way, is a hoping 100 percent are higher than last year before the pandemic. Now, of course, we don't know if Disney would be sold out if it was open at 100 percent. We don't. But clearly the demand is there. And if you remember, one of the predictions I wrote about in December for this year was that Las Vegas would be sold out by Labor Day. But I'm going to be wrong. Pending any huge surge in new cases, the variants, new lockdowns, whatever it is, let's hope not. Something the trends say is not happening. Thankfully, at least not yet. It'll be well before that. I think I may need to revise it to say that Vegas could be completely sold out by Memorial Day. I'll take a mulligan on that earlier prediction, all right? It's one time I'm happy to be wrong for the millions in hospitality who've been decimated for going on a year now. So let's hope on this day of all days, because remember, the pandemic really hit home on March 11th, today, one year ago. Those struggling families get back on their feet sooner than later. And when you do go out, eat or travel, tip generously. Not everyone can Zoom, and a lot of people are still rightfully nervous. Random, but important. And this is important as well. It's not just hospitality and leisure looking to bounce back. Another key sector of the economy, many believe, is getting Americans back to work, specifically parents, families that can't Zoom, education and daycare. The bill passing last night, allocating close to $25 million to child care providers on top of the $10 billion approved back in December. Joining us now is the head of one of those providers, Joe Kirchner, is the CEO of Primrose Schools, a daycare and early learning center, 440 locations across 32 states, serving more than 60,000 families. Joe, really important to have you on. Thank you for joining us. Um, you know, first off, you might have heard my, my conversation with my colleague, Caleb, and I, and I noted that you know, we in the media, we're based in the New York area for the most part, so we think everything is shut down. You're all over the country. You've probably had facilities that have been open most of the year while others still remain to be open. Is that, is that the case? I mean, there's two different Americas happening right now. Absolutely, that is the case. There were states that permitted us to stay open and other states that completely shut down the child care centers until they recognized that the emergency responders and the healthcare workers couldn't go to work. So then they began to figure out plans very quickly how to open them back up. Are you starting to see the ones that were shut down open back up as the days and weeks start to progress, Joe? So we've had all of our our schools open probably for at least uh, three or four months now. Um, And they've been lifting a lot of the regulations in terms of the size of the group sizes, et cetera. And of course, there's tremendous uh, additional cost to the childcare sector right now for all the uh, health and safety regulations that they've put on the childcare centers. So you're in California as well, I believe. You don't have any, all of your 440 locations, Joe, are open in some capacity right now. They are all open with except with the exception of four that had uh, damage with the storms in Texas a couple weeks ago. After the pandemic. Okay, so so that's unrelated. And and again, I know this, this unfortunately, Joe, like everything else in our world today, I could talk about spaghetti and it would suddenly become a political discussion. You guys, your, your safety record, I would imagine, looks good or you'd be shut down. In other words, what the data we've seen from schools, from the CDC indicates... It's safe for the kids to go back. Not my opinion. That's the CDC. 
your safety record has been what? Has been exceptional, exceptional. With the exception of teachers, uh, teachers getting COVID and having to shut down classrooms, um, we haven't had cases where children had COVID. Young children, as you know, the CDC says are not susceptible as, as adults are. And the teachers, and obviously we, we care about the teachers as well. They're, they're doing well? The teachers are doing great. Now, now most of the states are getting the vaccines. The teachers are getting the vaccines. Really, the environment in the schools is good. We have been seeing the families come back. When the pandemic hit, the childcare industry really was devastated. And, and a lot of families were sheltering at home, as the states were asking them to do. Uh, and mostly emergency responders and healthcare workers, as I said, were in the centers. But soon after that, the, the families started coming back. Um, but the industry was down as low as 13% occupancy when the pandemic hit. We, today, we're only down now our, the- about 13%, but the industry is still struggling significantly. It is. And, you know, to your point, I think I read the stat, 40 percent of first responders, healthcare workers, they've got young children. They can't go to work and help us live if their kids are not in a primrose school or another early education or school or child care center. So we appreciate the work you and your teachers have done. Glad to hear everybody's doing well. Joe Kirchner of Primrose. Thank you. Keep us updated, please. Important story. Thank you, Brian. Pleasure to talk to you. All right, you're very welcome. Have a good day, and thanks to all your teachers and educators out there. All right, on deck. Why Jeff Sott describes this market as a, quote, buy-in stampede. I tried to do it in my best Sott voice. And if you haven't already, subscribe to our podcast. If you missed the show or you're getting on the road in your car, on a plane, whatever it may be, download it every day off Apple, Spotify, and other podcasting apps. And tonight, tune in to CBC's On the Edge, 6 p.m. special hosted by Scott Wapner, some sharp opinions, some of the hot takes and debates about the big players and big news in the world of big business. Dow futures up big, 100. NASDAQ futures up 200. We're back after this. All right, welcome back to Worldwide Exchanges. Thursday, March 11th. Here is a look at what is ahead today. The European Central Bank is holding a policy meeting with a rate decision due around 7.45 a.m. Eastern. ECB President Christine Lagarde will then hold a news conference at 8.30 Eastern. Back here in the U.S., two key economic reports, 8.30 a.m. Eastern weekly jobless claims. The number of first-time filers expected to drop a bit from the previous week. Consensus is at 275,000. And then at 10 a.m. Eastern, my favorite indicator, the JOLTS, Job Opening and Labor Turnover Survey. It's a favorite of many well-known investors and economists as well. All right, more on the markets and your day ahead. Let's bring in our friend, Jeff Sott, founder of Sott Strategy and a member of the advisory board at Capital Wealth Planning. I was looking at something you said recently, and it got me thinking. You ask investors or your clients, quote, do you have the mental fortitude to accept huge gains? Okay, gain. Fortitude to accept gains? Sure, why not? Why is that a hard question? Well, a lot, a lot of people, Brian, you know, think if they make $10,000, that's all they're really entitled to. When if they stayed long uh, in individual stocks, you know, they, they can make $100,000. So I think it's a mindset with a bunch of investors that are only entitled to, to make so much. And I think that's a huge mistake. 
And do you think that we should stay long and strong here, Jeff? Because people have made a lot of money the last few years, and I'm not going to lie. It's tempting to say, you know what? You don't take a loss by taking a profit. Why don't I pull a little money out? Put it in, I don't know, Dogecoin. Well, you can always rotate. You can rotate into, into different sectors, different groups. Uh, and we, we tend to do that at Capital Wealth Planning. But our investment positions have done extraordinarily uh, well. And it's because we're in a secular bull market. And as I've said to you in the past, if you go back and look, secular bull markets tend to last 15 to 20 years. So we're 11 years into this. We ought to have another four-plus years at a minimum uh, on the upside here. So I, I think it's a mistake to raise wow. cash. Wow. And I know you like your own Raymond James stock, RJF, talking your, I mean, it's, it's talking your own book because you probably own a ton of it. But you're also recommending some mutual funds. We normally don't talk about that. The, the David Ellison's large cap financial fund. Yeah, David Ellison is probably the best uh, large cap and small cap uh, financial portfolio manager I know. Uh, Tom O'Halloran at Lord Abbott. I own his funds. He's a growth stock guy. Uh, Amy Zhang. Is, a, is one of the best small-cap uh, portfolio managers, along with Mary Lasante, Lasante Capital. And, I, you know, I own all those. Amy Zhang, by the way, was on this show on Tuesday. I think that we were the first time she did TV a couple years ago, right here on this very program. And we agree with you on Amy. She has done spectacularly well. Jeff Sott, I hope we all have the fortitude to accept huge gains in the future, and you say that we will. Jeff, have a great day, my friend. Take care. Always a pleasure. Always a pleasure, Brian. Oh, yeah. All right. Thank you very much, Jeff. Us as well. And that does it for us here on Worldwide Exchange. We're going to see you tomorrow at the same time, same channel. Squawk Box and the gang picking up the coverage with NASDAQ futures soaring. We'll see you tomorrow. You've been listening to CNBC's Worldwide Exchange. You can always catch us live weekdays at 5 a.m. Eastern only on CNBC. People today can spend half their lives over 50. So it's good to be financially ready for what's important to you as you get older, like a family vacation. Or starting your dream business. Welcome to Connie's Coffee. How may I help you? AARP's trusted financial tools can help you plan for whatever your future holds. That's why the younger you are, the more you need AARP. Start planning today at aarp.org slash money tools.